0: Hello and welcome to Pod Adventures in Odyssey. I'm Tatiana. And I'm Emily. Every week we re-listen to an episode of Adventures in Odyssey and then sit down to recap and discuss. Uh, we're going in album order. Right now we are in album three and today's episode is called Back to School. Boy did I think that this episode was going to be a lot more about going back to school <laughs> than it is.
1: Yeah, likewise.
0: Um. This is I. I didn't remember this episode going into it.
1: I remembered it after we started hearing Leslie talk.
0: Mm-hmm. I was like,
1: "Oh, it's this one." I thought it was a different one. One to do more with um lies, <laughs> because Chris opens by telling us, like, here's Leslie exaggerating the
0: truth and it is hiding something. Um. This episode really feels like two episodes to me. It's like it's about two different things. And it's almost not really about the whole hyperbole thing that Chris is talking about at the beginning. No, in fact, it never really gets addressed that the
1: hyperbole thing should maybe get reined in a bit. Where it's like, the hyperbole itself is not
0: what is the central conflict of the story. Mm-hmm. And it's not even feeding the central conflict. That's what I thought no. was going to be happening, is that it was going to be, like, a a problem that led to other problems. Mm-hmm. so we're already pretty much into it. Our character is Leslie, who I'm pretty sure is Donna Barkley? The voice? I think so. Did she sound like it to you? Uh, I wasn't paying attention to it. It's I'm not used to hearing Donna so young, but I it sounded like her to me. I guess it doesn't really matter, but the kid's name is Leslie in this episode. Yeah, and our
1: introduction to her is She's recounting a story from her time doing the paper route over summer to her friend Anne. Mm -hmm. She calls Mr. Turner's dog large enough to be saddled or
0: something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it's a gigantic dog, and I think Anne is like, he's not that big. And uh, Leslie is like, he seems that big. And it's like, okay, whatever, I'm gonna keep calling her Donna. (laughs) Leslie. I wrote the word Donna in my notes and now my eyes keep looking at it. So Leslie, um, what's more important about this scene is that as she's talking to Anne, I think her friend Cindy comes over and uh, Leslie ditches Anne to talk to Cindy. Yeah. And uh, there's like a very clear preference that Leslie is like... Only talking to Anne because she couldn't talk to Cindy. And now that Cindy is here, she's like, hmm, gotta talk to Cindy. My real friend. My real friend. (laughs) Despite the fact that Anne seemed very engaged. Yeah. In their whole interaction and everything. And Anne seems a little bit sad for Leslie to leave her like that. And I don't even remember what they converse about at that point. Do you? When she goes over to see Cindy,
1: Mm -hmm. uh, Leslie is basically saying, hey, it's been forever since I've seen you. Mm -hmm. Like,
0: where have you been? I haven't seen you since... Oh, she's... Oh, yeah. It's been years. Right, even the days, she's like, I haven't seen you since the beginning of summer. It's been years.
1: (laughs) It can't possibly be true. Cindy's like, it hasn't been years, and I saw you this summer.
0: Yeah, so this is where it seemed to me like the real conflict of the episode is that Leslie exaggerates to a degree that makes her kind of distasteful to talk to. Mm-hmm. That's what it, that's what the whole conflict of the whole thing seemed like it was going to be. That's what I was expecting from that interaction. Mm-hmm. Because Cindy seems like she doesn't really want to talk to Leslie, and it seems like she is put off by the degree of hyperbole.
1: Yeah. But
0: spoilers, that will not be what the episode is about.
1: Nope. Uh, but Cindy basically is only there because she promised Krista that she'd hang out with her. Mm-hmm. And she thought that Krista would be at Wits end, and she wasn't. So she's like, I'm leaving now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Krista's house.
0: And none of these characters are people that we have met before or will ever meet again. Yeah. <sighs> Just a heads up.
1: <laughs> Just so you know. Mm-hmm. It would have been really interesting to have, like, a Leslie hang around. Mm -hmm.
0: in the main cast of kids I feel like Leslie is eventually kind of like a Robin yeah I don't know when we're gonna get Robin but Robin is sort of the more like strong-willed borderline hard-headed at times kind of kid I like her a lot I'm excited but um I think Mr. Whitaker comes over to talk to Leslie And is saying, like, oh, I saw you talking to Anne, I saw you talking to Cindy, I heard you talking about your summer. And Leslie just kind of mopes about going back to school and commences a whole, basically half of the episode, which is not really relevant to anything.
1: No, it's just Wit trying to tease the story out of Leslie. Uh Uh-huh. About why she's
0: down. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like a... Extended comedy bit predicated on Leslie's hyperbolic storytelling style. Yeah. And um I get well, I, we should probably go through it anyway, because yeah, it's we funny and it everything. Fun. But like I was confused a little bit at the mid-episode break because it got to the point where I thought that the entire thing was going to be about like don't speak in hyperbole so much or something. Yeah. Because that's what a full half of the episode is. Um but anyway, uh she is bummed about her first week back at school and she tells Mr. Whitaker, like, Oh, you know how it is. And he says something really sweet, which yeah. is I've been out of school a long time. Maybe you'd like fill me in.
1: Like remind me.
0: Uh-huh. I just thought that was nice. I also made note of that. Mm-hmm. wits has got a sweet way with kids. Yeah, he has a good way of getting people to talk, which is basically a therapist's job. <laughs> it's not surprising. <laughs> it's a
1: therapeutic person. hmm Um, I feel like the thing I noticed about the whole hyperbolic storytelling is every character had an evil laugh. Yeah,
0: so... <laughs> very much so. Um, uh, let's see. It starts with the mom. It starts with her mom, who is talking to Leslie like an evil stepmother in a Disney movie kind of thing of like, Leslie, wake up! You're so late! Sleeping late all the time! You're such a lazy girl! Like, I don't know, kind of being, like, overly mean about it. And Mr. Whitaker interrupts the story to be like, hold on, your mom's not like that. And a common refrain from Leslie
1: throughout this entire episode, well, that's what it seemed like. Right. That's how it felt. Mhm her emotional reality. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed he doesn't negate or he doesn't um play down her emotional reality. Mm-hmm. He kind of accepts it and then moves on.
0: Right. Yeah. And I I think it's different because he knows the mom and he knows the reality and everything.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's not like he has to worry about this family situation or anything. Right. But yeah, it is sweet that he kind of lets it go. (laughs) And it's like, okay. And her mom makes her wear a dress that she hates. And okay, this is what's funny is I imagine it's very easy to imagine the actual conversations Mm -hmm. that are happening this entire time.
1: It's easy for me to imagine her mom really just being like, hey, you're going to be late for the bus. You got to get up,
0: Mm -hmm. kid. Come on. Come on, come on. Wake up, daughter. And uh, put on this dress. And Leslie being like, oh, I don't like that dress. Well, we bought it last week and you liked it then. Like, come on, we just have to get to school. Here, put it on. But in the, in Leslie's retelling, it's like, we bought this for you and your father and I aren't made of money. So put it on, child. Yeah. <laughs> like, super nasty. Uh,
1: and then she tears the sleeve while putting it on. Mm-hmm. And in her retelling, her mom is like, serves you right
0: you're gonna have to go to school like this now (laughs) yeah that will teach you to be more careful and mr Whitaker agrees he's like well maybe it will teach you to be more careful (laughs) it's like it's not really the end of the world going to school with torn
1: clothes unless the Mm -hmm. school has this did occur to me if the school has a very strict dress code
0: yeah, true. Then
1: you could get, like, a pink slip for that kind of thing. But
0: that's the kind of thing. If the mom knew that, I feel like she wouldn't do that to yeah. her kid, you know? mm mm-hmm. um, She almost misses the bus and is like, I wish that I had because she apparently has a crazy bus driver named Crazy Eddie. <laughs> Which to me sounds like any bus driver who has ever tried to establish a relationship with the entire bus of kids that he buses around. You know what I mean? They kind of, like, try to play it up, like, come on, kids, let's ride on the wheels Yeah, come on into Eddie's bus, we're going to school, toot-toot. It's not anything of what she describes him as. She describes him as, like, a cackling maniac, basically. hmm Who gets pulled over by an Irish police officer. Who is played by the same voice actor. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, Crazy Eddie, like, cackles, and it, it struck me as really funny that Leslie confides in Mr. Whittaker. I heard he got a ticket one time, or he got pulled over one time, and I was like, hmm, mm-hmm. who among us has not been pulled over one time? Live long enough and you will get pulled over. Yeah, it just seemed like it's like, that's not, that's the kind of thing that a kid might think of as being, like, a scandal,
1: mm-hmm. but...
0: To me as an adult, it's like, um, yeah, that's bound to happen sometime or another. He's like, I'm slowing down for the curve. (laughs) Right. That was his excuse to the police officer in the retelling. So she gets to school late and, um, she retells having to find her class as, like, this scary horror scene where she's wandering through this echoey, creepy hallway and there's scary music playing and, like, the hall monitor or whoever it is. I was gonna say she gets stopped by the warden. Oh, is it the warden? I don't know. <laughs> I It's like the that's warden that's of the prison or something? That's the
1: emotional impact of that scene is she gets stopped by the
0: warden. Yeah, it sounds like she, he's like, where are you going, little girl? Like, he sounds very much like a scary person. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm just... Looking for my class. And he's like, sir, you didn't say sir. <laughs> like, sir. Okay, this is something that hit me is that he asks what grade she's in and she says sixth grade. And I was like, I feel like she came across to me as being like a third grader. I would have guessed fourth. Like third, yeah, fourth. Fourth based on the amount of autonomy she has, but also like she doesn't sound or act as mature as I would expect a sixth grader.
1: Yeah, but I mean at that age kids kind of mature at different rates.
0: Yeah, that's very true.
1: Doesn't the, uh, almost called him the warden, doesn't the whole monitor like cackle when she says sixth
0: grade? Yeah, no, he, yeah, he cackles at some point, as he takes her to class to Mr. Gutwrench's class. Yeah, to Mr. Gutrench. I think that's like when he cackles, he's being like, "Have a nice day." That cannot be that teacher's real name. I feel like he almost said something different and then the second time he said it, he changed it. Like it was Mr. Guthrie's class. Mm-hmm. And then the next time he pronounces it Wrench. <laughs> Cuz I don't think that was the teacher's name either. But um Mr. Gut Ranch, since that's the name that we have for him, is like a drill sergeant. Yeah. He's like super mean, super uptight, and like screaming at the kids.
1: Makes her hang up her sweater.
0: Mm-hmm. Even though she's like, I want to keep it on, he's like, I don't care what you want. I told you to hang it up. So she hangs it up and then everybody sees she has a torn dress and the teacher makes a big deal of it. Everybody laughs at her. Joey's a VAA? Voice sure. actor alert sure. for Mr. Gutwrench. <laughs> it's Eugene. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he calls her Lisa also, and she's like, yeah. it's Leslie. And he's like, I don't care what your name is. Your name is Lisa now. Uh, and then
1: that's when Wit interrupts. I was like, hold on, Lisa. I mean, Leslie. Good <laughs>
0: okay, grief. Wit. And I, I guess he just pre- he periodically stops her to question, you know, the degree of veracity in her storytelling, and she always protests how it seems to her. So, uh, Mr. Gutwrench forces her to tell the story of her summer vacation. Tell us, Laura. Yeah. She's like, but I'm Leslie, so you mean Lisa? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, she explains that, uh, for summer, she just kinda hung out. And Mr. Gutwrench is not happy with that at all. And, When asked to elaborate,
1: she says they got ice cream sometimes, and he shouts, (laughs) Ice cream?
0: So upset. Uh, It is, I mean, for all that this whole bit is not really relevant to the overall message of the episode, it is really entertaining. The performances are funny. Yeah. So he's he's so upset that he's going to make her go home and write the words, I will make better use of my time. Two hundred and twenty thousand times? Yeah. Some some number like that. I was gonna say you can hear some of the Eugene seeping in as he's recounting
1: exactly how many days, hours, and minutes are contained <gasps> oh, that's on summer vacation.
0: True. He's like, Do you mean to tell me that for this many days? Things like eighty-four days you did this and he yeah, he he numbers the hours and things like that. Yeah, that was kind of Eugene like. That's funny. Uh, so when Leslie gets to the end of her story, Mr Whitaker does kind of a hard pivot in the narrative, (laughs) yeah. which instead of addressing the hyperbole, which so far has basically dominated the episode, he takes it in the direction of like, I can't help but wonder if all of this stuff that you're talking about isn't actually what your feelings are all about. Mm -hmm. He says, you still haven't
1: told me how your week really went.
0: Right. And he says it in kind of a convoluted way, which even he then laughs at himself and is like, uh, let me try to put that in a simpler way. You're not really upset because of your mom, right? Uh, And you're not really upset because of your bus driver. And you're not really upset because of your teacher. And Leslie admits, yeah, you're right. And so what do they get to the bottom of that? It's her friends.
1: Yeah. She says she lost her best friend, Cindy Hansen, Mm -hmm. who is now best friends with Krista.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That darn Krista. We don't really know anything about her. We haven't seen her yet. Right. And her, Leslie's problem is that she and Cindy promised each other that they would always be best friends when they were really little kids. And they've been best friends since they were babies. Definitely not hyperbole. Mm Mm-hmm. Is this a good time for a cul-de-sac? Sure. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't have, honestly, that much to say about it. I just wrote down a few notes. Well, we're almost
1: at the episode break. So we, we are could almost just... at the episode break. Essentially, Wit tries to stop her from going to talk to Cindy because
0: Leslie resolves
1: to go to Krista's house and point out that they made this promise and that she
0: has to keep it. Right. And the thing that I wrote down was Wit said, maybe you both made a promise that you couldn't keep. Mm-hmm. So I guess now we finally, halfway through the episode, get to the point of the episode, which is the nature of friendships and how they change and how you can't force yourself or anyone else to be friends. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Oh man, it's heavy. (laughs) It's
1: like a hard lesson for anyone to learn at any age.
0: Yeah, I guess, yeah, it is a heavy lesson and it's not necessarily something that yeah it's not something you'll encounter necessarily when you're a little kid but it could crop up at any point in your life
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because some people I feel like make friends very easily and like lose friends very easily and not like lose friends as in like have like a hard break in the relationship but maybe they just like people come and go in their lives and that's a much easier Mm -hmm. thing for some people than for others yeah
1: I was going to say, it seems to me like Leslie and Cindy need different kinds of friendships in their lives,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and this is something I think as an introvert, it's more common when you're an introvert to have a handful of close friends than lots of acquaintances, Mm -hmm. and it seems to me like Cindy wants more of those, just more friendships than what Leslie is looking for.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah. And it seems like Leslie is having a hard time even being familiar with this concept. Yeah. Because <laughs> she... she's, like, really upset that Cindy is being friends with someone else. And she says it more explicitly later on in the episode in, like, a very concerning way, she puts it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I'm skipping ahead, but she quotes to her mom later on, you don't need to be friends with other people when you're best friends. That is patently false. Yeah, that's really false. And well, and I know that this little kid doesn't mean it this way, but that's the kind of language of, like, an abusive relationship. Yeah. It's the kind of language that someone would use to control another person or, you know, that kind of jealousy is very unhealthy. hmm And thankfully, I mean, I think it's normal to work these things out in childhood, and it's, like, it becomes much more concerning when it's an adult, but... Thankfully, Leslie had people in her life who could teach her that these are not normal ways of relating. Yeah. If somebody says this to you, hear it from us, that's not a normal way of relating. Yeah, it's normal for you to have a variety of
1: relationships that are going to be at very different depths depending on the person and your time in life. Mm -hmm. And it's totally normal for your close relationships to wax and wane And I think Whit even points out at some point in the episode That lifelong friendships do exist and can happen But you just can't force them I would
0: add to that that lifelong relationships take work Right, yeah, that's the other side of the coin You can't just expect them to stay lifelong friendships Yeah,
1: you have to put effort into them I don't know, my my thoughts are very disjointed and scattered.
0: It's almost like we just listened to this episode and then started podcasting about it. <laughs> almost. Okay, so maybe let's move on in the plot a little bit, because I have yeah. more
1: thoughts, too. Uh, so we come back after the episode break to Cindy knocking on Krista's door. Mm-hmm. And Krista answers and seems like a perfectly normal human being. <laughs> yeah. Krista's
0: not, uh, like, a thieving friend-stealer. <laughs> you know, she's just, like, a normal kid. Um, but uh, Leslie wants to see Cindy, so Cindy and Krista are both at the door. And Leslie just blatantly starts demanding that Cindy be her friend again, which is, like, weird on multiple levels.
1: Yeah, I feel like on the one hand... Did you ever stop being friends? Yeah, I
0: mean, that's how it feels to Leslie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Once again, with the hyperbole, that's how it feels to her, but just because it feels that way doesn't mean it's true. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and like we mentioned, it's weird to demand that someone be your friend to the exception of all other people. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's basically what she's saying, is like, we promised we would always be best friends. And... Uh, Cindy has a very normal and mature and sort of healthy response to this whole thing, which is like, we are still friends and I do still like you. And we were really little when we said we would be best friends forever. And I just want to have other friends. Can't I have other friends? <laughs> she also does say a couple
1: things that are like, mm. Oh, what else does she say? Uh, like, don't be so weird. Grow up, Leslie. But they're kids, so. Yeah. And then when Leslie runs off, Krista asks Cindy, like, what's what's the deal with her? She's like, she's just
0: immature, I guess. I thought that was a pretty mature observation. Yeah. Although, I don't know, that could just be a kid talking about other kids the way that they hear adults talk about kids. hmm But, I mean, she's not wrong. Leslie is just behaving really immaturely. Okay, then begins a heartbreaking scene. Yeah. Where Leslie is moping at home. Her mom is like, oh, Anne is here to see you. And so Anne comes in and um, just basically wants to hang out like a normal person would.
1: Yeah. I wrote down the note that Leslie is doing to Anne what she feels Cindy did to her.
0: Right. And it becomes like really painfully obvious. Um, Leslie mopes and Anne is like, do you want to do this? You want to do that? Well, how about we just talk? You know, I haven't talked to you all week. I want to hear what your week's been like. And Leslie was like, no, I don't feel like doing anything. Because what What exactly does she say?
1: Well, at first she's like, I don't want to talk. I just want to be alone. And then
0: she's like, well, I lost my best friend this summer. That's right. That's what she says to which And delivers like the gut punch. No, you didn't. I'm right here.
1: And Leslie's response, not you. I mean, my best
0: friend. It's Cindy. So mean and so sad. I mean, it's sad enough as an audience member hearing Anne say, I'm right here. Like, she doesn't know that she's not the best friend, obviously.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then for Leslie to be so mean about it, it's the kind of thing that, like, even if Leslie feels the way she feels, surely you could. See how that would come across if someone is like, I'm your friend, and you're like, not you. <laughs> uh, she's, I mean, Leslie's in a really bad headspace, mm-hmm. but it's not excusable. It's like so mean.
1: Yeah, Anne kind of has a muted response to that and just leaves mm-hmm. and apparently runs out crying because her, uh, Leslie's mom comes up to ask why. Mm-hmm.
0: She's like, Did you guys fight? because Anne just left crying. Then they they talk about friendships because Leslie explains to her mom what happened. And I think Leslie explains like, no, I don't know why she would do that. Like, blah, blah, blah. And the mom keeps trying to drag it out of her like Mr. Whitaker did of being like, well, what really happened? Donna's always, or Donna, I still have it written in my notes. Leslie is like, honest mom, that's all that happened. It's like, oh my gosh, child. It's not. It's really not. Is it in the book of uh, James that says, like your yes be yes and your no me no? Maybe that's not exactly what that verse is talking about, but it, it feels like the spirit of it is relevant right now. <laughs> Say what you mean. This is the conversation in which Leslie expresses what we mentioned earlier. You don't need to be friends with other people when you're best friends. Oh, that's it. her mom is defending Cindy for wanting to be friends with Krista. And so in response to this very concerning sentiment, her mom doesn't explain to Leslie, well, here's why that's wrong. She tells her a story of her own childhood and her own childhood best friend. Beverly. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, we promised we would have a double wedding and name our kids after each other. And then, you know, when we started high school that summer, she made other friends and was hanging out with other people and didn't really talk to me and um she said that she was sad about it. I think Leslie is like that's so sad and her mom is like yeah it was sad but I realized that I had also changed too. Like the people that I wanted to date and the music I listened to and all these things had changed and that's life. Basically people change and they grow apart and it's normal and
1: she kind of points out like even if Beverly had wanted to be friends with her again, she's not sure she would have wanted that.
0: Mm-hmm, hmm
1: And then comes the part that is really, really good. hmm Where she's like, but you do know who will never change and will always be your friend, right?
0: And Leslie's like, I know who you mean. You mean Jesus. <laughs> Sunday school answer is correct. Uh, and then I don't remember the context
1: of this quote, but I wrote it down because mm-hmm. I thought it was good. hmm is her mom tells her to make the most of her friends she has while she has them.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I think that prompts Leslie to be like, can I call Anne? Yeah. (laughs) And her mom is like, yeah, you can call Anne. I think I need to apologize to her. Like, yeah, man, you need to really apologize. Good thing she recognized that right away.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. There was also a little line in here of her mom saying, I can be your mom and your friend, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we've already talked about parents
0: being friends parents with their kids. Being friends, yeah, that episode in the blind spot episode, I think blind spot part two, we talk about that. And I feel like uh, it's a good distinction that she says, like, I can be your mother and your friend. It's like, that's, that's true to an extent that you can behave, like, you can perform some of the functions of, like, what a friendship relationship would be like, but it's important that. You're always the mother, also. I mean, at least to me. Yeah. That's kind of what we talked about in Blind Spot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I that stuck out to me too, even though I didn't write it down. I think the final scene then is in Wits End. Yep. I thought that the episode was going to be over. I did I, there too. were several times I thought this episode was going to be over, including at the the midway break. <laughs>
1: Well, both Leslie and her mom are laughing. And I was like, oh, it's an Everybody oh, Laughs episode. Everybody
0: Laughs, so the episode is over. But no, we fade into wit's end. And um, I think she's telling Mr. Whitaker a story. And About being baseball. Like, right. And the baseball flew a mile. And he's like, hold on, like a mile? And she's like, well, that's what it was like for me. Sure seemed like it to me. Mm-hmm. So then um, Cindy comes in. And it's like, hey, Leslie, how are you doing? What have you got going on today? And she's like, oh, well, uh," she's like a little bit awkward at first. Like she doesn't, she's very unsure of their relationship. She seems very reticent to open herself up to Cindy. Right. And I wonder if that comes from her not knowing if she still wants to be friends or not knowing if Cindy still wants to be friends or if she just feels guilty Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't really know all of the above. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe all of the above. Uh, But Cindy wants to hang out, and uh, Leslie is like, well, I'm going to hang out with Anne tonight, and we're going to go do some homework together. And then Cindy's like, oh, okay. And Leslie is like, well, you could come and do homework with us. And I wrote down friends with more than one person? (laughs) (laughs) Study group? Uh, it's like it's funny because it's such a revelation and I guess it makes sense that we have this scene because it left off her talking to her mom being like I don't know if you'll necessarily ever reconnect with people who used to be your best friend and now the episode is showing us an example of yes you can connect to the person who was your best friend yeah um, so they're all gonna go and do homework. The three of them, imagine that. And it's why I think Leslie even says, what about Krista? And Cindy is like, we're friends, but I thought you and me could do something.
1: Yeah, like, doesn't mean that they can't hang out just because she's also friends with Krista. I think mm-hmm. this is an extension of her learning that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, it's totally cool and makes perfect sense that you would do different things with different friends, and you might have friends in different circles. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: and who knows, maybe all four of you will hang out someday. Oh
0: my gosh. Four girls hanging out together? Inconceivable.
1: <laughs> and then I guess Leslie goes back to recounting her story to Wit, and one mile has become two miles. The baseball flew two
0: miles. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Whitaker is like, oh, is that what it seemed like to you? Doesn't Leslie make some joke, like, about hyperbole at the end of the episode? She makes that joke to
1: her mom.
0: Oh, that's why I thought the episode was over. You're right. She makes a joke to her mom about, like, don't you know that you can't believe everything you hear? Some people exaggerate or something like that. Or she, she calls out her mom for exaggerating, oh, actually, about right. ripping all of her dresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mom's like, you're going to run out of dresses to wear, or to rip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's ripped one. Right. So so the thing that they laugh about at the end is Leslie being like, well, that's what it seemed like to me. And it's like, ho ha ha, 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 As always, <laughs> everybody laughs.
1: And then Chris does the outro, and I wrote down, she mentioned Ecclesiastes 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, about there being a time for everything.
0: I really liked that that was the scripture that they chose for this episode. I felt like that was very, like, a very appropriate use of it.
1: Yeah. There was also a Hebrews verse mentioned, but I did not write oh, it down.
0: Oh, that totally flew past me. <laughs> did not pay attention to that. Yeah, but like I said, Ecclesiastes 3, you know, there's a time to plant and a time to uproot and a time for laughing and a time for tears et cetera, et cetera. That is essentially the lesson of today's story, which was half concerned about hyperbole.
1: Was it even concerned about hyperbole? It didn't seem particularly concerned. Yeah,
0: concerned isn't the right word. It's just, you know, the substance of it was taken up with hyperbole. I feel like that it makes this episode, like, it stands out as an early episode of Odyssey. Uh, like, you can tell that it's an early one because of how unfocused it is in that regard. Yeah. Whereas, like, later on, the episodes will be, like, you'll have an A plot explaining the lesson and a B plot doing the flip side of the coin of that exact same lesson. Like, they'll be really focused and really nuanced and stuff. And very structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there will not be half of the episode taken up with something that ultimately doesn't have to do with the lesson. Do you want to do discussion questions for this one?
1: Yeah, I think we have time. Let's do
0: it. I had other thoughts, too, but they might come up during the discussion questions. Yeah, I had thoughts as well, but... Okay. There was a lot
1: of stuff with, like, my own personal history with friendship that I was like, I don't know if this is the avenue to discuss them or not.
0: Right, yeah, we'll see. Well, it might come up, but then we always do say final thoughts, and we always never have final thoughts, so maybe today is the day.
1: (laughs) The day for final thoughts. Oh, my gosh. All right, so here we have our discussion questions. There are three of them, but they're really, like... I don't know, seven? Are they
0: bullet-pointed heavily?
1: Yes. (laughs) Cool. What is the first one? Uh, Why was Leslie upset with Cindy? Bullet points are, did Leslie have a right to be upset with her? Why or why not?
0: Yeah, that's a good bullet point. I feel like the bullet point is more relevant, but I also feel like we kind of addressed this earlier. She's jealous, which means you want to hold on to what you have as opposed to envious, which is, like, you want what someone else has. So she is very jealous of Cindy and wants to keep her all to herself, and that's just not the nature of friendship. That's the nature of, like, a romantic relationship, like a marriage. You know, it's perfectly valid for a spouse to be jealous, and that's why the Bible says God is a jealous God, because it's like, he wants to keep us. And that's appropriate for a relationship with God, but it's not appropriate for a friendship. Mm-hmm. So I would say she does not really have a right to be jealous to the degree that she is. Yeah. It's not the same
1: sort of uh intimacy that you have in a marriage mm-hmm. relationship. I don't really have anything to add to that, though. It's a, It's not an exclusive kind of relationship. Have you ever grown apart from your best friend? how did you feel? What did you do about it? So I guess I am going to discuss personal history. Yeah. Uh, yes, is the answer. It was tough. And, um, I had a really hard time with it, but it's like a very specific circumstance. I don't know if it's really growing apart so much as there was a person who told me outright that they did not want to be my friend anymore. They were my best friend, and I think you are the only other best friend I've had since, Mm -hmm. so...
0: And I'll never say that to you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I can't promise I'll always be your best friend, because we learned in this episode that that is not a wise thing to promise, but... But also we're adults, so we're, like, a little bit more formed as people, so you can kind of... It's easier to predict that we'll probably always be best friends. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, life might pull us in different directions at some point, but I know I'll always make an effort to keep in touch, you know?
0: Right, and we'll always like cheesy musicals. Like, that's all... That's, that's like, a solidified part of our personalities at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Cheesy musicals and wordplay. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know what we like. <laughs> and tasty food. <laughs> and Adventures in Odyssey. Adventures
1: in Odyssey. Uh, Christmas music slowed down to
0: 1.5 speed. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to listen to when you take down your Christmas decorations. Um, <laughs> it's the rules. <laughs> so wait, I, this just occurred to me as like another thought since we're on this topic of um, best friendship. The notion of having a favorite thing and how useful that concept is or how useful that delineation is in your own mind because to a certain degree, it's not that quantifiable. No. So we're we're kind of trying to use, like, a category or a way of thinking about a friendship that doesn't necessarily apply in reality. No.
1: I feel like closeness is a more useful concept. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you might have degrees of closeness with people, right? But like that doesn't mean one friendship is better than another.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of it's like the the same notion of like you may not you may or may not have a favorite food also. I mean, you can say like, oh, pizza is my favorite food. But that doesn't mean that you have to prefer pizza at all times in all circumstances. It just means that you like it a lot, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the kind of thing where we kind of, we have favorites, like we have favorite colors and we have favorite seasons of the year and like, you know, it's kind of like a easy shorthand way to get to know people, like an icebreaker question, but just because you might have one of those that's quote unquote your favorite, that doesn't mean that you are like bound to that opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not saying that you, I mean, obviously you can change your mind, but also it's like, that doesn't mean that that necessarily describes the true state of your psyche. (laughs) Because you may not have a favorite. Yeah. I don't know. And I feel like that's the same with friendships. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you have degrees of closeness with people at different times in your life.
1: Yeah. I should also mention, like, after the friend who didn't want to be my friend anymore said that, like, a year later we did reconnect and had, like, coffee date kind of thing but like we both knew we weren't going to be as close as we were and we were both okay with that Mm, mm -hmm. and so I feel like the answer to what did I do about it was uh cry a lot and decompress with my mom and then I changed schools that was a big deal did you change schools because of that experience um yes and no My parents were already looking at different high schools because I went through Mm -hmm. to a K through 12. It was kind of expected that you would just finish out at that school. My mom taught there, but then it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm, Okay.
0: It was like a deciding factor. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I had nothing else tethering me there because I didn't have any close friends. Mm -hmm. So we were in a very small class.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That makes a big difference too. Because I feel like a lot of times the answer might be, like, you have you move on to other friends.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean,
0: I've definitely grown apart from friends, but it's never been a huge issue.
1: I imagine in a large school, it doesn't have the same impact as it would if your class is, like, 40 people.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I have no idea what the big school experience is like.
0: I've never been to one.
1: Even Westmont.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even our college was small. Compared to my high school, which is about, like, two or three times the size. Okay, what's the last question? Uh, So the
1: third question says, Leslie had trouble when her friendships changed. What kinds of changes are hardest for you? (laughs) Wow, okay. (laughs) Share with the class. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. Routine changes.
0: Yeah, maybe that. We just moved. I mean, that wasn't too bad.
1: I feel like very rarely will I instigate a change on my own. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless it's, like, a thing that I have built up in my mind like I'm
0: excited about. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think moving was easy because we were able to get excited about the new place. Yeah. I feel like the worst changes in my life have been breakups. Oh. (laughs) Which is, like... Very similar to what this episode is about, just, you know, with the romantic layer on top of it. Yeah.
1: I feel like funerals.
0: Yeah. Also. That's, like, the next level. You know, these are all types of separation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think what's hard is that God didn't make us for separation. He made us for a relationship. Yeah. You know.
1: The hardest changes are the ones that involve losing relationship. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And that's not to say that you have to maintain all your relationships at all costs, because that's not necessarily healthy. I mean, this episode talks about that. Yeah. But um, I think that's where the pain comes from.
1: Yeah, you feel sort of, it kind of feels like losing a limb. It's like something that was a part of you that no longer is. And you are constantly reminded of its absence until you have a replacement for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why the relationship you should always look to fulfill that hole is Jesus.
0: Right. Like the mom pointed out in the episode, it's like that is a relationship that you will have that will never change. I mean, your relationship with Jesus might change, but like... He's steadfast. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And boy, does that make all the difference. Are we ready for final thoughts? Sure. Do you have... Mm guess my final
1: thoughts are kind of what the mom said don't take your relationships for granted enjoy the ones you have while you have them and don't be afraid to put the work into them and something that someone from our home group has said hold things loosely
0: mm-hmm. yeah mine is like a little bit of like a side tangent at this point but I wonder if it will be worth going into anyway but it's like the notion of being friend zoned, I oh. feel like is is sort of relevant to just the way that Leslie conceives of their friendship, just to establish terms. Friend zoned is a sort of a modern popular term to talk about the way that mostly women will relegate male friends to being just friends and not romantic options. And men can friend zone women as well. It's just, it's more typically talked about in online discourse as like a thing that happens to the guy friend because the guy friend really likes the girl and the girl only sees him as a friend. So he's been put in the friend zone. And this, this uh, relationship in this episode kind of mirrors that where Leslie wants to be best friends, but Cindy only sees her as a friend. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, like, even though there's nothing romantic about it, it's the same dynamic of one partner wants more than the other in the relationship. I feel like in healthy relationships,
1: what you do is you meet and you make clear what you need or want out of the relationship to each other, and mm-hmm. then you come to a compromise, more or less.
0: hmm If you can. If you can.
1: Otherwise, sometimes that ends the relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's healthy also. Because I've had a friend point out to me that there is, like, a reverse. The reverse of being friend-zoned is, like, being girlfriend-zoned. Where the guy, like, can only see her as a potential romantic partner. Mm. And it's, like, if you come to that kind of an impasse, then it maybe the relationship should end. And it's okay if you both come to that conclusion. Sometimes that's the healthy thing to do. Is like, well, if you like me that much and I don't reciprocate, then maybe we shouldn't spend this much time together, of one of us being kind of tortured. Mm -hmm. I think that that's pretty healthy. It's just a really hard decision to make. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, I mean, that's like, this is very tangential to what the episode was about, but I just felt like it was also relevant a little bit. Yeah. We say some weird stuff in this podcast. This podcast is about adventures and odyssey.
1: Definitely, just about adventures and odyssey. Always. Nothing else. How about that with end? <laughs> it's great. Okay. So next time, we are discussing the episode The Shepherd and the Giant. I'm guessing this has to do with David. And Goliath? Just a guess.
0: Just a random guess. Throwing just it out there. Shot in the dark. Bible show. Could be. We'll see. So
1: if you have any thoughts, uh, feelings about friendships, things you want to share, you can email us at podventuresandodyssey at gmail.com. You don't have to tell us your worst friendship breakup stories if you don't want to. But you can. You can confide in us. We read all of our mail. Talk to us, please.
0: Please. We're so lonely. Be our friend. <laughs> we just want to be friends. That's all. With more than just each other. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Catch you later, cats paws. See ya. Bye. Was well, up against the wall and I don't want to
1: bang. Yeah.
0: Bang bang, he hit the wall. Bang bang, something rhymes with wall. fall
1: i had tall. he was very tall. Bang bang,
0: he hit the wall. Bang bang, my baby hit the wall. <laughs> we started too low. Yeah. Not if I'm not warmed up. Wall. There you go. <laughs>